Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the River Blast Podcast, episode number eight, the Willie Stargell episode. I don't know if there's ever been an easier one to pick than this one, right, Alex? Oh, yeah. I mean, so far, at least, we're going to have a pretty easy one next week, too. Yeah. I mean... I guess the single digits, you'll probably have that with any baseball team more than likely because they didn't really start going into like the double-digit numbers until, what, like the 60s and the 70s for the most part? So A little earlier than that, but yeah, for the longest time, your number was, you know, your spot in the order. Yeah, so, you know, that's we're getting, we're getting through uh, all the good ones early, I guess. So, yep, so we've been, on, on, on another note, props to us, it's been like, Eight or nine weeks, we've been going at this now. So I think we're getting better and better each time. Humble brag. <laughs> well, we're not getting worse. How about that? We're at the very least staying neutral. All right, staying neutral. And uh, that's kind of what the Pirates elected to do as far as the outlook of this season what here. A what a transition. That's what I do. As uh, They just stayed neutral, uh, looking to just be 500 as, uh, you know, Couple hours before the month of September hits, we see them move away to infield pieces. Veteran uh, corner infielder David Freeze, a guy who's been with the team, kind of been a team leader for multiple seasons. You see him get shipped to the LA Dodgers, have a chance to win another World Series title. And then a Danny Hechevaria. He was a member of the team for about 25 days. We all learned how to spell his last name, and then they traded him. Alex, uh, I, I think we both can agree, not huge moves one way or the other. I think they kind of just tell us that these guys won't be back on the team next year. Anything to add, really, on these moves? I mean, Freeze was just going to be here for another month. Maybe Vulture a couple starts away from young kids. That could help in 2019 or in the future. So, yeah, he really didn't have much of a future with this team Except maybe they wanted to extend the option. I think that was a pretty popular theory until they just flat out traded him, which killed that pretty fast. Uh, one comment in general, I have absolutely no problem if Huntington would have come out and said on August 31st or September 1st, whenever he made his comment and said, I traded David Freeze because I wanted to open up a 40-man roster spot and I wanted to open up playing time for kids. We're not making the playoffs anymore. We don't think we are. Just open up the spot. You know what? I would probably even take the... I also didn't want to pay you know, his contract file for the option next year. But I am getting really tired of him sounding like such a gosh darn swell guy. And he's like, I just want David to compete for a World Series. That's all we really want Yeah, here. good for him. He, yeah, he did the same thing for Juan Nicasio. And, you know, Juan went on to the worst team in the National League. So, yeah. oh yeah, thanks a lot. So, I, I'm tired of that. Just be... This is GM speak at its very worst. Just be transparent. I don't think anybody would have cared if they said, I traded the last month of David Freeze for a borderline fringe prospect at best because it was a month of David Freeze or a month of Kevin Kramer being on the major leagues. And I think everyone in Pittsburgh would have been like, yeah, give me Kramer. Let me see what the kids got. Of course, the other half of that is, you know, Kramer has to play, but that's neither here nor there. Just, yeah. I'm tired of this, you know, oh, he's such a guy. He just wants every one of his guys to win a World Series, but not with the Pirates, with other teams. Yeah, that's that's what's funny is, I mean, I, I do appreciate, like, I feel like the Pirates have lacked this kind of sense of reality 
at times throughout the last couple of years where they're either too pessimistic or far uh, too optimistic. You could even make the case this year at the deadline when they got Archer and Kella that maybe they assumed this team was a little better than what it really was, um, which is a debate we're not going to have. But uh, I like just kind of the realness for Huntington to just say, you know what, like I'm not bringing either of these guys back. Hetcheveria, I thought, was a good pickup, but, I mean, he served no purpose on the team in the team's current state because, you know, he's just all he's doing is taking away playing time from a guy who might be your starting shortstop on opening day next year and who needs, you know, more practice at the major league level. So you get rid of him, you get rid of Free as a guy that, I guess, you know, wasn't in their plans to bring back in the long term, you know, uh, for another year. And uh, you get two players in return and a little bit of cash. Uh, will those players ever play a game in the major leagues for the Pirates? I don't know. Probably not would be my guess. But still, you have that chance. And now you at least know what direction your team's going in the offseason and what your needs are. It's not It's not a pitcher. And uh, it's not going to be bullpen. Uh, it's You know, you're looking for middle infield help. You're looking for corner infield help. And you're looking for veterans to provide that help. I think that that's uh, pretty clean cut. Don't you agree? Yeah, we're going to talk about more of this more of this later, but yeah, David Freeze is not going to be the reason why the 2018 or even the 2019 Pirates make the playoffs or not. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, he's a fine, serviceable ball player, but he's not the type of guy who's going to win your whole ton of games. Losing him in Hatchavaria isn't really going to hurt in the grand scheme of things. Maybe one win down in September at max. I'd rather give the playing time to the kids. Hetcheveria had started that entire series against the Cubs where, you know, Pirates had the only gave up one run in, in every game and somehow only split. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking back, hindsight 2020, it's like, boy, I wish Kevin Newman would have had a couple of those starts. I mean, would, but, would that have been any different? Kevin Newman hasn't. I think Kevin Newman could go 0 for 4 also. Hetcheveria hit good in that series, I thought. He did, yeah, he did pretty good, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, one, if you don't score, I could field a roster of eight of my buddies and we could pour, we could put up zero runs in a major league game. Very true. Very true. All right, so speaking of uh, those shutouts, one of the guys who pitched a shutout in that series and pretty much every other series that he has pitched in since the All-Star break has been Trevor Williams. How's that for another really good transition, Alex? Um... But Trevor Williams is on pace to, you know, just, I mean, he's already having like a record-breaking second half. He's on pace to, you know, continue that, ar- produce arguably the best second half in, you know, Major League history for pitchers. He's right on the heels of like Jake Arietta and whatnot. So, um, Alex, I know that, you know, Williams, before this streak happened, was someone that, you know, had the potential to be a back-end-of-the-rotation kind of guy, you definitely like the intensity with him. He doesn't. He doesn't have the stuff that other guys in this rotation do. Uh, but does this streak kind of change your outlook for Williams and his like future with the Pirates? Do you see Trevor Williams as a guy who now can be maybe not the ace, but a number two starter for a really good Pirates team, hopefully in the future? You know, Trevor doesn't have ace stuff. He'll be the first person to tell you that he doesn't have the 98-mile-per-hour fastball and the wipeout slider. And actually, a lot of his struggles, he said last year, as a relief pitcher, was because he was trying to be that guy to add every last tick possible 
on a fastball and try to make his slider move than it really probably should. Mm-hmm. So I think he is very comfortable with himself. He is very comfortable with his attack plan in the game every time he goes out on the mound. He's the type of guy that, it sounds a little generic, but he's a good very good student of the game. He goes, he asks good questions, he does good research, and he executes well, even if he doesn't have, you know, that great stuff. I don't know where he lands anymore, though. He's kind of, I was pretty firm coming into this year, like Trevor Williams is a four or five guy, probably shouldn't ask any more than this. And you know what, if you look at the peripherals, it's like, yeah, Trevor Williams is a good four or five, maybe a decent three as a ceiling. But then you look at what he's done, he's just kept putting up zeros this entire time, and he hasn't even had to really pitch out of that many jams. It feels like it's no. looked like comfortable zeros. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think my opinion has changed because I don't know what Trevor Williams is anymore. I, I there is no reason if you look at the results where you say, yeah, he could be a number two pitcher. He absolutely could be a number two pitcher. But if you look at everything else, it's like, no, this guy isn't a number two pitcher. But he's doing it. So if I wasn't seeing it with my own two eyes, I don't know if I would actually believe it. So, uh, yeah, I think my opinion has changed with Trevor. Changed for the better. I just don't know how much better yet, though. So uh, let me ask you this. Say spring training isn't a thing, and we're making the starting rotation for next season right now. Where's Trevor Williams in your rotation order? Is he second, third? Or fourth, or is you know he what? is he your opening day I starter? Think the rotation is going to be a little weird, and it's going to raise some eyebrows. But Jamo was talking about how he liked to follow uh, Musgrove in the starts because Musgrove and him have very similar pitches. Well, that's... especially now that Jamo has the cutter, so I think I'm going to have those two back to back with Musgrove going first. So I guess I'll put Archer as my ace, Musgrove as my two, and then uh, Jamo as my third. Even though. Tyon's not the number three starter on this team, but just for intensive purposes, which would probably put Williams as the number four. I think that's more, you know, vindictive of how this uh, ro- good ro- how good this rotation looks going forward. Because I think there are a lot of teams that Trevor Williams would be the number two starter, no questions asked. But you know, if you look at this one and be like, well, okay, Jamo's pitched almost as well as Trevor has. You know, in the second half of the season, he's looked really good. Yeah. Um, for, for a good couple months, Musgrove has shown his stuff. We all know about Archer's pedigree. It, you know, it hasn't translated to results. He's Chris Archer has been the anti-Trevor Williams, where he's had the great peripherals, but it hasn't translated to results. And Trevor has, you know, the not-so-great peripherals, but the unbelievably good results. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of... An interesting debate. Do you feel more comfortable with Chris Archer going into 2019 or Trevor Williams? Um, I mean, right now, I don't know how you don't feel more comfortable in Williams. I mean, that's that's the thing we talked about, where it's kind of, it's just, you, Williams is that stereotypical guy that, like, in the NFL draft, he doesn't have the, you know, the measurables, he's not the fastest guy, he's not the strongest guy, but he's just got that stuff that you can't measure as, as, cliche as that sounds he knows how to get the job done and that's what he's kind of showing right now and it's kind of tough to write off those kind of those types of guys where Archer he has all the glitz and glamour but he hasn't really been able to put it together but when we're going into next year um first off on your on your JMO comment um 
he likes to follow Musgrove. Well, that's too damn bad. <laughs> Jamo's my opening day starter next year. Maybe we'll make... Okay, he could be the opening day starter. Yeah, well, no. What I was going to say is yeah. maybe make Musgrove the five. And while that's not really indicative of he's not the fifth best starter, no, that way... No. I, I like the back-to-back dynamic that they have. I'll agree with tying on that, tie on with that. And you know, it's just an ego thing. You're still going once out of every five days. Yeah, Grove. yeah. So just make him the five and throw Nova as the four, and you know we're all we're all hunky dory. And then yeah. So, but yeah, I think Williams. To answer, I guess my own question, I think that um, I think Williams has definitely earned a little bit more respect, uh, where he's. I think he's the three starter coming into next year. I think he's outperformed Musgrove. Uh, I still think Musgrove's going to have the better career and has more capability of doing big things. But uh, as if we're talking next year, I think that Williams has earned the nod to be ahead of him in the rotation. So, but at the end of the day, I think we all know there's probably five guys. I mean, the starting rotation for next year is already determined barring someone getting moved, you know? Yeah. All right, so now uh, we'll talk about another starting spot that's going to be up for grabs next year, something that's not really determined, and that's um, the middle infield, second base. Uh-oh, hang on, I'm watching Sunday Night Football, in, or Thursday Night Football, and Nick Foles just caught a pass again. Philly Special 2.0. That's what you get when you're uh, listening to the River Blast podcast. You get a little Noah Hiles play-by-play right there. You gotta love that. Are you watching football right now, Alex? I am not. Oh, look at you, a true baseball guy. Yeah, they just—it was the same exact play. Nick Foles just caught it, got knocked out of bounds. It was like maybe gaining like eighteen yards. Coleman reversed thirteen. I forget who that is. Uh, yeah, Nick Foles, beautiful catch. So I'm gonna leave this segment while you watch some football. No, 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 no. Come on. All right. So, but. <laughs> Back to what we were talking about. We're not cutting any of that. We're not cutting. Okay, uh, <laughs> so Adam Frazier is a guy that, you know, hasn't had a second half as good as Trevor Williams, but has been, I would say, probably the best offensive position player the Pirates have had this second half, no? Yeah, I mean, the only guy you can really think of besides him would be, like, Big Greg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Greg's got the power, but like, as far as consistency... Adam's got the power now. Yeah, he does. So, Adam Frazier is a guy that, since he's been called up to the team in 2016, they have always kind of struggled to find a spot to consistently play him in. He's been the perfect guy where if you're, you know, playing in an AL team, you can DH him and bat him at the top of the order or DH someone else and play him. Um, he's been a guy that, you know, an outfielder goes down or a second baseman goes down, you plug him right in. Uh, but he's never, he's kind of also, you know, Josh Harrison, you saw that kind of problem when he got good in 2014 also, where you just struggle to find an everyday spot for him. And you can make the argument that once they did find an everyday spot for Jay, Hey, he kind of lost his product or productivity a little bit. Um, does Adam Frazier become an everyday starter next year at second base for the Pirates because of what he did in the second half this season? I think he's probably the favorite to right now because they know what he is. But am I 100% comfortable with that? Not exactly, I don't think. 
there are going to be some good uh, free agents for infielders right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this offseason, we're going to talk about that in a second. Second yeah. time I tease that, so this better be a great segment. Uh, but He's alert. You brought up Jay Hay, and I would rather have Frazier as the guy who plays way too much as a backup. Someone who, you know, between the corner outfield or center field also, he can hum a few bars there. Second base and even shortstop and yeah. third base, even a little bit there. I would rather have him start about four or five games a week that way rather than just flat out give him a starting job right there because you get depth also if someone goes down i think everyone would feel comfortable with okay now here comes adam frazier i'm i'm very intrigued by the second half that he's had ever since he's come to come back from triple a he's loaded his hands he's launching fly balls he's pulling fly balls he's looked a whole lot better as a hitter and even as a defender, too. He's looked pretty good that way, too. I just don't know if I'm 100% convinced that there is no risk involved. Just give him a starting job. This guy's ready. Yeah, that's my thing. Um, it's never a bad problem to have a really good 10th player or 9th position player. You know, I mean... Oh, it's a great problem to have. That let's, you look, look at the Chicago Cubs have had that problem. I mean, Baez was that guy for them for a while. You know, we're... You, and we, and exactly, and now it's Zobrist, and we, we talked about it. When the Pirates were playing good in, like, 2014, 2015, that was Josh Harrison, where you play him at third base, you can play him in the corner outfield, you play him at second a little bit. Uh, you just move him all around, and that's not a bad problem to have. And I think if the Pirates are going to legitimately try to make the playoffs next year, then Adam Frazier shouldn't be your opening day second baseman because you should go out and get someone which, like you said, we're going to talk about in a minute here. Um, but Adam Frazier is a guy that you should aim to have. I think he's earned the right to try, you know, he's earned the right for the team to plan to have him in the starting lineup over 110 games next year, if that's fair. Where they come into next year saying, okay, Adam, we don't have one particular spot, but we're going to platoon you at multiple different places and with that platooning, along with, you know, injuries, our ideal outcome for you is to start between 110 to 125 games. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and, you know, and if he if he continues to play the way he does next year... And then he can wrestle a starting job away from someone. Exactly, and yeah. that, that's, that's my whole point, where it's 162 games... No one's staying healthy the entire season. Not one position on the, uh, you know, there's not one position group, middle infield, corner infield, or all of outfield that's going to stay healthy the whole year. You can plug him in pretty much in any of those spots. So it's good to have a 10th guy like Adam Frazier who can play anywhere and who can hit uh, pretty much any spot in the lineup. I think that that's, that's a role that you should want him to have. So that'll be... That'll wrap up our what's recent. Uh, Alex, any final thoughts as we transition? Let's get to this crazy segment that we haven't recorded yet. All right. All right. So enjoy it. I'll be interviewing Alex coming up right now. (laughs) 
All right, Alex, we've hinted at free agency talk, off-season talk, uh, the whole summer long, and now that it's September, we can finally do it. I saw you wrote a story for what the Point of Pittsburgh, is that correct? And you basically talked about how this Pirates infield has, when you look into the numbers, been very bad, almost historically bad, in recent history anyway, just not productive defensively or offensively, and uh, while the outfield doesn't really have any, you know, needs to make additions to, neither does the pitching, neither does the catching, the infield is the one and only priority of this offseason, correct? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, maybe you could say, like, they need a lefty reliever on top of, you know, the bullpen that they have, but we're not talking Chapman or yeah. someone like that. We're talking about just a complimentary piece. Better than Stephen Brault. Yeah, Brault? Who's been good? Who's been good? But I'm saying, yeah. He's, he's raising an eyebrow with me. We should have talked about him, you know, changing your opinion since he came back from the minor leagues. Yeah. He's strung together some good outings. Uh, but, yeah, the last couple years, the infield hasn't been great. Most parts teams in history, the infields haven't been great. But whatever the team is good, it's because of the outfield. The outfield has traditionally carried the Pirates throughout history. Whether you want to talk about Bonds and Van Slyke or Clemente or Sturge or whenever he was in the outfield or Kiner or the Wainers. You know, big, the Wainers, yeah. There's a long list of great Pirates outfielders. But if you look at infielders, it's like, well, okay, Sturge at first base and I guess Maz is a Hall of Famer, but eh. And, and Dick Wright, obviously. Dick Rode and Wagner would be the other ones. But yeah, it's, it's a long list. They've always been carried by their outfield, which is fine. And the outfield this year is has three above-average to good players, having three above-average to good seasons. The infield has really just collapsed. I just used four war as my baseline because I figured, okay, every position on the team provides one win above replacement. They're not on pace to do that anymore now that David Freeze has been traded. Yeah. I mean, I guess Frazier can continue to mash and one of the kids could put together and they could creak over four barely. But it's not looking good. And if you look at Pirates history, the only times since 1921 where they've had infields that didn't reach four war were in the 20-year losing streak okay. in from uh, the mid-40s to mid-50s, which people would know is just a, as bad a streak as that 20-year losing streak, just only half as long, mm-hmm. in a strike-shortened season. Yeah. So this is this is bad. It might not be a historically bad infield, but it's reminiscent reminiscent of some historically bad teams, and this needs to be addressed. I You could look at someone like Frazier, be like, okay, he could be in the mix, or if you're even the optimist, you could look at, okay, maybe Bell or Morant or Newman, like one out of the three, but they need to make one or two additions this offseason to really shore up everything because it doesn't look like there's much of a Calvary coming. No, and that's that's what I wanted to kind of talk about is being that this is their only need where, you know, last offseason after they dealt McCutcheon and Cole, you had so many question marks coming into this season. You really don't have that next year. You know what you have with the starting rotation, the bullpen, the outfield, the catchers. Essentially, even the corner infield, you know what you have with Josh Bell and Colin Moran, you know, 
Gung, if he comes back, is a question mark. But your middle infield is something that you have no idea what to expect. If Josh Harrison comes back, what do you expect from him? More than likely, he's not back. So can you depend on Adam Frazier? We just talked about it. We wouldn't like to. Uh, You might have to, but you wouldn't like to. Um, Is Kevin Newman ready? Is Kevin Kramer ready? You know, what else? Who else do you look toward? And uh, you have a, a long list of guys that they of players that the Pirates can look toward. Who are some names that you think would be good fits here? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna before I get to that, I'm gonna disagree about the corner infields also. I mean, you could still be high on Bell or Moran, I guess, but if they are performing the same way next year as they are this year, I think we're gonna be you know talking a very different. Oh yeah, no, I was just yeah. saying you know what to expect. Like I, I, oh okay, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, you know what to expect, and it's just not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, 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 I think that yeah, you probably can upgrade in one of those two spots. I think yeah. you you still need to give Bell another year. I I think, but I wouldn't be. I mean, maybe Jung Ho is that. I think you need to get a right handed bat at third base to platoon Moran with at the very least. But yeah, that's at the very very least. But okay, this is my list of yeah some names Pirates going by. Baseball reference, you know, their opening day payroll, including arbitration, is about 15 to $25 million less than it was in 2016 to 2017. They have some cash to spend. And here are some guys who I think are going to be well within budget this offseason. Uh, Mike Moustakis, you know, good mm. power hitter. Good power hitter. Had a really bad offseason this time. Probably would take, you know, a decent contract. We're talking about three thirteen. Average, so I guess about 40 total. Okay. I think that's a good guy. Put at third base. Whenever Brian Hayes is ready, you could uh, slide Moose over to first. So what are you doing with Moran? You just kicking him to I, the curb? I'm kind of kicking him to the curb, man. Huh. I mean, if, if I get Moose, I'm not going to just kick Moran out, you know, without you know a replacement in mind and sign, but I would be willing to move on. I guess that's the other... See, they're uh, never going to do that. They're never going to do that. I'm to move on from everyone in the mix, you know, assuming that Newman can play shortstop and second base. I don't think he's going to be playing, mm-hmm. you know, both. So I'm fine with either Newman or Frazier, I guess, starting at one of the positions, but I don't want the middle infield to be, you know, Newman at short and Frazier at second base because I am of those. I believe that, you know, good teams are built up the middle. Yeah. So, but for corner, yeah, Moose, uh, one of the two guys up the middle who have good gloves, uh, Jose Iglesias, he's one of, he's been one of the best defensive shortstops, you know, ever since he's come up in the majors. Yes. And, uh, DJ LeMahieu, mm-hmm. who's leading second baseman in defensive run save, won a batting title a couple years ago. He's kind of struggled since then, but hey, if you think he could be a bounce back. Struggled by his standards. He'd be one of the best power hitters on this team, on this team. Yeah, but that's also Colorado. Very true. Yeah, speaking of bounce back, Brian Dozier, you might be, oh, you might have to bend the piggy bank a little bit, break it, but you know what? This is a guy with the same home run or the same hard hit fly ball walking strikeout rates as he did last year, and it's just he's done by the batted ball and play. I think he just needs a change in scenery, honestly. Uh, if they want to buy guys who look good this year, Eduardo Escobar and Jed Lowry. Two good guys. And you brought up Jung Ho also. I, they're not going to pick up Jung Ho's option. 
He's I gone. Think it makes absolutely no sense to pick up Jung Ho's option. He's gone. He's gone, but I think it would make sense to like send him to a minor league deal. Gone, but not forgotten. Yeah. Just a low risk. Bring him into camp next year and be like, this is it, Jung Ho. Last chance. Because I think Gung, I hate to be one of those guys that says, oh, the player owes the organization. This this is an extreme circumstance where it's like, yeah, yeah, I think Gung kind of owes it to the Pirates to give them one last chance rather than signing a minor league deal with, I don't know, San Diego, where he might have a slightly better chance to make a major league roster. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so you look at you mentioned a whole bunch of these guys, and I I, I would be happy to see pretty much all of them come into town. Do you think there's a chance that we see multiple guys like a Lemayhew and an Iglesias or a Mustakis and uh, you know whoever else? I, I'm not even that confident that we'll see one. Yeah. Just Huntington operates. I'm not 100% confident that we'll see one, so I'm going to say no for two. I'm holding out the hope that some they're connected to someone at the very least. Because, you know, they made the trade for Archer, and that was great. That was a big move. But it's a big move that means nothing if they are just going to settle it. That's the only move. You have to keep building towards that. It's only a half measure right now, which a half measure midseason, whenever you got him for three more years, there's no complaints there. You don't have to you do all your shopping at once. But you have to continue to build on. The starting pitching besides Archer and Nova next year is unbelievably cheap, pre-ARB, including the bullpen, besides uh, Vasquez and Kella. Mm-hmm. There is a ton of cheap pitching. This is the time when you should be making a splash in free agency. And you know, maybe not sign you know, Machado or something like that, but a reasonable guy for two or three years. While you still have cheap pitching and cheap position players. There aren't that many committed contracts after 2019 on this team. I think you can make a splash. Yeah, like, if you look back at it, what was it, 2011 is pretty much when their entire young core was up and they had a couple years under their belt. And that's when they brought in A.J. Burnett and uh, Russell Martin. So, you know... I know that there's, you know, they're not looking to get a catcher-pitcher combo or anything like that, but I think that, you know, if they were willing to spend money like that then, then maybe they are looking to get one guy, maybe two guys to be those veterans to come in, and they're not going to be like a David Freeze veteran where you're going to platoon them at best, but maybe be like an everyday starter to kind of round out a lineup and give your team a shot to compete for a postseason spot. Yeah, and... Again, we're not saying anything. They're $25 million less projected opening day payroll than the 2016 opening day payroll. Yeah. Okay, and I know that 2016, they were coming off of record attendance in 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, high. they got playoff money, a bunch of things. They had more income coming in then. But, you know, sometimes you got to spend money to make money, especially whenever you got an expiring TV deal. And boy, it wouldn't it be nice to raise those ratings before you have to go to the negotiating table. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, traditional pirates, you would think that, yeah, they're probably not They're probably not uh, going to spend anything, but, you know, with the Archer, the Archer deal, I think, indicates maybe else, you know, something else. 
otherwise. I, I don't know. I, I It's really hard to gauge I'm, I'm them. I'm more inclined to, if they didn't make the Archer deal, I would be going into this offseason thinking they're not going to do anything again. Mm-hmm. But since they made that one, I am at least a little more intrigued. Like, hey, these, this might be an interesting winter meetings. It, it, it's just also kind of... Like, Neil says he has faith in his guys, but does he have enough faith in Newman and Kramer and Frazier to be the middle infield for a team that he believes will make the postseason? I I would like to believe that he's not that delusional, right? Yeah, I I mean, I guess Newman is a top prospect and Frazier's looked real good, but Newman hasn't looked good in the majors at all. Yeah, and like, you know, that... He doesn't look major league ready. And, you know, we haven't seen enough or basically any of Kramer to form an opinion on him, mm-hmm. see if he's major league ready. Yeah. Well, uh... So, yeah, there, there are going to be plentiful veterans this offseason. And something that Chris Mack talked about whenever he was on the show. Like, call collusion or GM's finally getting smart. Someone is going to slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the parts could really strike and get a good deal. And get someone who could really help. Yeah, and that's going to be their only way. I mean, they're not going to outbid anyone, but if they can get someone, you know, on like a similar deal, bring in a guy kind of like how they brought in Russell Wilson, like a veteran that, or not Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook. I got football on my, oh my God, Russell Martin, 0 for, 0 for 2, uh, woof. But yeah, <laughs> I'm just sitting here watching this Eagles game. It's wild. Um... But yeah, if they can get someone in here, like kind of how they got Russell Martin, um, you know, an, an experienced veteran who still has you know some good days in his career left on a you know semi-affordable deal that's not too long, I'm I'm fine with that. Get someone here for two years, and then by that time, it's either you know Newman, Kramer, Cole Tucker, one of them should be ready, and if not, you know. You got to figure it out from there. You have faith in yourself, but also have faith in your ability to sign someone and give yourself a chance to win. Now, I think that's the end of that segment that we were teasing about fifteen times. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I hope it lived up to the hype. Yeah, hopefully. All right, so that'll that'll wrap up our infield uh, prospects for next season. I guess talk. And now we're going to move on to everyone's favorite part of the show, segments. Enjoy. All right, Alex, it's that time, segment time. Here as we wrap up the show, we start off how we always do, buy, sell, trade. You can go first. Who do you got? You know, you said this was everyone's favorite part of the show is it do we have any actual quantifiable data that says people like this um no the bio the biometrics tell me that this this works okay well i'm trading any more biometrics jokes for the rest of mankind (laughs) you know what that's actually my trade that's my trade now i'm starting off with trade oh okay that's pretty convenient no more biometrics jokes uh who was it that just talked you cited biometrics me just no, now. not besides you. Okay. Like a different team. Um. Oh, who was it? Was it the Dodgers? Is that right? Was, I think it was the Dodgers. Wasn't it? 
All the um Dodgers or Steelers? Oh, the Steelers it... mentioned it for sure. I know they did. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. They bring up biometrics and oh, lo and behold, no one actually cares then. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, no, no more biometrics jokes. I know nobody's made a biometrics joke in week, but <laughs> I mean, I just did. I'm, I'm trading the Pirates biometrics for Steelers biometrics. All right. And you know, what? while I've got Steelers on the mind, uh, I'm buying the Pirates Josh Bell because uh, he, unlike the Steelers Bell, showed up uh, this past week. Did he? Well, he didn't play, but he showed up. I was gonna say. I mean, they have like the same amount of home runs this month. Yeah. In the same amount of rushing yards, how about that? <laughs> so there we go. I mean, I, I honestly, Josh Bell would not be a bad NFL running back. I'm thinking more tight end. No, I think I mean they're built good identically tight sized. Be a threat in the red zone. Yeah. Tuman type. Uh, I want Musgrove as my tight end, but you know we'll we'll agree to disagree. Who do you got as your as your? Uh... So wait, Josh Bell was your buy. Yeah, I'm buying Josh Bell. And you're trading... I'm trading the parts and uh, biometrics for the Steelers. And what are you selling? I am selling Nick Kingham starts. He just had a really good one, uh, but I don't see Nick Kingham as a 2018 or 2019 starter. I would rather have his appearances from now on come out of the bullpen, even if it's just in a long roll to ease him into it. I, I think I would rather see him do that because I think he has a much better chance of making the team next year as a reliever, and they can't just option him and stash him in AAA like he did this past year. He needs to be in the majors, or they have to lose him. So I'd rather see him as a relief pitcher this last month, see what he's got that way. All right. Not bad, not bad. Um, you're welcome for the assist on your on your, yes. on your trade. It's not no, like I, I was struggling for this one. Yeah, so it's much better than the trade I actually came up with. So thank you. Yep. So uh, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna. Oh, jeez, interception. Oh no, Philly. You're gonna be selling Pirates talk so you can start a Steelers. Well, no, 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 no. That actually is very relevant. That is very relevant. Oh, so I'm buying. Hang on, I'm buying the Saturday afternoon game against the Marlins this week because. I think that it was a very smart move by the Pirates to kind of recognize the situation that they're in. Um, it is football season now. Uh, they got the biggest college football game of the year for Pennsylvania schools, I think, uh, between Pitt and Penn State coming up on Saturday. Uh, I think it was a smart move by them to not try to compete against that. And maybe they're going to get some extra ticket sales by you know true Pittsburgh fans who will catch that game at 1.00. And then, you know, maybe go down to the North Shore, have a couple drinks, and head to Heinz Field and make an all-day event out of it. I like that move, and uh, I like it because I get to watch the game. So I get to watch both games. So that's fun. I wish more teams would kind of do that in September. Um, Just get it over at 1 o'clock. That way we could all kind of watch college football on Saturdays. So that's just me. Um, Sell. I'm selling Pirates Twitter for the remainder of the year. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a good run. You're not intrigued by which player is the one who slides into DMs, apparently? See, I was trying to dance around this. this. rumor that I am just, I want more. I want to hear more of it. I've got the popcorn ready to go. Listen, it's, I've, I've just, I'm kind of done about 
here I'm I'm kind of done speculating or hearing rumors about any pirates in their dating life. You can take that for what it's worth. Uh, and I think if you follow the pirates on social media, you know who I'm kind of referring to. But yeah, I'm I'm done with pirates Twitter and pirates Instagram. Uh, you know it's September. Let's just you know enjoy the the Kramer and Newman meme that everyone and their mom tweeted, and it's like yeah, these guys have literally played together on the same team every season since they got drafted. But this is now a thing. <laughs> that every back yeah like yeah they were like first and second round picks they played together every level of the minors and majors they even had the Seinfeld night the one year they were in the minors together but like now it's like everyone's kind of late to this joke but yeah I'm done with pirate social media um for the people that are getting really upset still over the team it's like it's, it's September man let's just chill uh, I still care about them. Still gonna cover them, but like, let's just you know, let's just take it easy this last month. And like you said, with the whole romance stuff, uh, you know, let's just focus on other things because it's getting a little weird. And uh, I'm trading. Well, this will be a good transition. This will be a good transition into our next topic here. I'm trading my pirate hat and for Yankees hat. Uh, because there are some former Pirates on the New York Yankees who I would like to see win a World Series. And like I said, Alex, this will transition to our next segment. Uh, former Pirate of the Week, Andrew McCutcheon and Hetcheverria both get dealt to the Yankees before the beginning of September. That means now three former Pirates are on uh, the... Who else? Walker and Hap. Oh, I forgot about J-Hap. Holy cow. So, you have, yeah, three members of the 2015 Dream Team, if you want to call it that. It was a quick dream. Kind of woke up way too early and turned into a nightmare, I guess. And, uh, and then you got, you know, Hechevaria, who I guess you could, he technically was a pirate. So, but yeah, four, four former pirates on the New York Yankees. Alex... I know I'm rooting for them in October now, and it, it goes against everything traditional baseball fans believe in, cheering for the New York Yankees to win a World Series, unless you're a Yankees fan. But I want to see Kutch, I want to see Walker, and, you know, Happ and Hechevarria are a little different, but I want to see, our, you know, these former Buckos go out and do something good in October, or at least get the chance to do so. Um, are you going to be rooting for them? In the playoffs, are you going to be rooting for the Yankees, the individual guys, or no rooting interest whatsoever? I think I could root for the individual guys, but man, I I'm really rooting for Oakland. Yeah, it's still in my heart. And you know what? I feel bad for the Yankees because I mean, has it ever happened in history where a team with Neil Walker, Andrew McCutcheon, J.A. Happ, you know, they have like the second best record in baseball, but they have to play one game playoff against the hottest team in baseball? In the wild card, has that ever happened before? Uh, because it looks like it's going to happen in you know this year. Trauma has blocked that out of my into. mind. Might be something to look into. Uh, I, like I said, I I would love to see Kutch and Walker get rings. I think whoever wins that wild card game, I'm I'm going to stand them for the rest of the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I I like. I, like I wrote about earlier this week uh, for Pirates Breakdown, I, I got to see the uh, Labor Day game between Oakland and um, 
you know, Oakland and the Yankees, and it was awesome. I mean, it was a wild card atmosphere. There was like 40, 42,000 people there or something like that, and, you know, 42,000 people aren't meant to be in that stadium anymore. It was very uncomfortable, but it was a very fun atmosphere. It was a very fun game to be at, and uh, I'd be happy to see either of those two, two teams win. I wore my Cutch for President shirt underneath my Matt Holiday A's jersey because that's who I am. And uh, yeah, I'll be cheering for both. I'll be cheering for both of those guys. There's also some guys on the Yankees who I like. Like I'm, I'm a Sabathia fan. I don't care what anyone has to say oh, about yeah. him. How can you not like CC? Exactly. I mean, he pitched like like dirt on Monday when I saw him. But I like Sabathia. Um, you know, I don't have anything against Aaron Judge or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees aren't this, you know, incredibly hateable team like they were when we were growing up because they haven't they haven't won anything in a while. No, and it's a whole new batch of kids. Yeah. I mean, Carlos is a very likable player. Aaron Judge is a likable player. Gregorius? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that guy had to replace Derek Jeter and like has actually done a decent job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they maybe I'll feel differently you know five years from now whenever they you know build a new dynasty yeah and or even maybe this offseason whenever they sign Machado and Harper you know, Harper yeah and go crazy but right now yeah I don't have this unbelievable hatred towards the Yankees which is kind of weird you know because for no other reason than if you're a baseball fan you either love the Yankees or you know you hate them with all your guts yeah I I don't know. Yeah, I've it's never. Be interesting. I, I hope Kutch gets a ring eventually. I just don't know if this is the team to do it. No, I don't know if they're good enough. But I mean, I think their pitching is kind of really falling off. But that's enough Yankee talk. So we're gonna, we're gonna close the show. Oh my God, he missed the extra point. You've got to oh, be kidding me. Oh, can I bring you back to baseball talk? Yeah, sorry. Okay. So <laughs> I have been recently. Uh, doing some historical pirates pieces, and I've encountered some really crazy names while doing it. So, so how? Time out. How far back have you gone to get these crazy names? Uh, we're talking. We're talking forties, fifties. Okay. One in the twenties. Okay. I, I was wondering if it was like going to be like eighteen ninety five. No, no, they were all pirates. No Alleghenies. Here. Okay. But you're going off, you're going based off instinct because I never heard of any of these guys before. All right, so tell them the game. We're playing pirate or pretender. Okay. And you, I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to tell me if it's a Pittsburgh pirate or if it's a fake pirate. And I'm even going to add a theme to this one. It's either a Pittsburgh pirate or it's a character from the Marvel universe. Oh. Are you a comic guy? No. I mean, I watched. Right, so I, wa- I saw really Infinity War like three times. What? Really? You're really going based off of instincts here. Yeah. If, if that sounds like a baseball player or not. Yes. Okay. And the names for the Pirates players are according to their baseball reference page. Got it. Okay. Oh wait, this is like 1920s, so it's gonna be like. Popcorn Wally. Like, it's going to have like a right, stupid... Popcorn Wally, is he in a... Popcorn oh, Wally had an OPS of like... 850 in 1924, dude. What are you talking about? All right, yeah, no. he was pretty good. All right, anyway, continue. Under... Okay, so first guy I'm going to throw out here. Malcolm Murdoch. That's... That's a superhero. 
You are correct, sir. Yeah. Malcolm Murdoch. Can you tell me who Malcolm is? Malcolm Murdoch? No, but no one named their kid Malcolm until at least 1960. So. All right. Uh, Daredevil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Bam. All right. I did. Hey, I didn't even see that one coming. Get it? Yeah, you're one for one so far. Get it? Because he's blind. Oh. You can make blind jokes about superheroes. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> he definitely heard it. All right. Because he's down. blind, you can't, you know. Oh, oh, now I get the joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boom, boom, Beck. That's 100% a Pirates player. Yes. Yeah. He pitched in 1945. He actually did pretty well back then. Mm-hmm. 214 ERA over like 60-something innings pitched. So 1945, he was probably throwing a solid like 78 miles an hour then. You know, oh, most. at absolute most, he was a vet at that point. Too. Yeah, left-handed hitting just was invented in the game, so you know. Yes. All right. <laughs> I'm two for two. Two for two. Robbie Robertson. Uh, Marvel. Three for three. Let's go. Do you know who Robbie is? I'm just gonna put that as the sidebar right after. Robbie Robertson is he in the Flash? No. The Flash has alliteration, though, doesn't it? It's like Wally West or something. Well, Flash is also DC, so he wouldn't be in the Marvel. You're damn right. My bad. Who's Robbie Robertson? He's the number two at the Daily Bugle. Oh. Okay. Wait, Daily Bugle is in Marvel? Yeah. Spider-Man. Who does Superman work for? Metropolis. Daily Planet. Whatever. Yeah. All right, next... Wilson Kingpin Fisk. I mean, I, I I hope that that's a Pirates player. And that is the first one you have gotten wrong. Wilson Kingpin Fisk. Okay, that, that sounds like a bad villain. Yeah, that's a great villain. That's one of the best ones from Marvel and Daredevil, and I just realized I picked three <laughs> that has Daredevil connections in it. So how about that? Never saw the movie, never read the comic. So, so good choice. Anyway, next. Don't watch the movie. Don't watch the movie. He didn't. Because uh, he was Bullet blind. Joe. What? Bullet Joe. Bullet Joe sh- sure played for the Pirates. 100%. Yes, he did. And you know when? How confident are you about that? Uh, 1920s. You're right. You're darn 1926, right. 1927. Bullet Joe invented the stolen base. They had they he did it, and they were like, "What was that?" And he goes, "I just took second. <laughs> and they're like, "All right, this is we're writing that in the rules." <laughs> All right, one more here. You're you're what four for five? I'm four for five. So this is between passing and getting a D right now. Hey man, D's to get degrees. Dick Littlefield. Oh, I've heard that name. Because I heard that name, I'm assuming Marvel. Four for six. Oh, man. He pitched in the 50s, 54 to 56. What Did he have, like, something significant happen with him? I don't think so. Okay. I just stumbled on the name because, like I said, I'm just a monster and was just going through... All these old, old stats on baseball reference, and I saw these names like, 
that's an unfortunate name, I think. Yeah. Whenever you, your first, whenever you go by Dick and the first part of your last name is Little, I mean, that's, it's not going to help the field. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Mr. Littlefield will not be sliding into anyone's DMs. Oh. I mean, I'm just going to refrain. There are so many jokes, but I'm just going to... We're going to end the episode on that. All right, for Alex, I'm Noah signing off saying thank you for listening to another episode of the River Blast podcast. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Alex J. Stump. I am at Noah underscore Hiles 95. You know, tell us what you think of the episode, of the podcast format, and everything else to come along with it. And as always, you know, if you're at the ballpark, give us a shout on Twitter. We'll love to meet up with you this weekend for the Pirates Pirates Marlin series. Uh, Alex, any final closing thoughts? Uh, don't watch the Daredevil movie. You know he didn't. And, um, yeah, on that note, I'm going to sign off saying, as we always do to end the show, let's go Bucks. Top five NFL quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean, three of them are automatically given between Breeze, Rodgers, and Brady, right? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say Breeze is a given. He's definitely in there, but, like, I wouldn't put him in the same conversation as Rodgers and Brady. But I I think Rodgers and Brady are the two best, and then Breeze is third. Yeah, and then I'd probably go Russell Wilson. Oh! Okay, I'm gonna shut up. I want you can give me six or seven, also. I guess if you want to push it a little past five. Yeah, I, I see. Like everyone in Pittsburgh will say Ben, but That's not mine. yeah, and like I guess I guess he's he's five maybe, but like I don't know. Like I I think there's two five star quarterbacks, which is uh, you know Rodgers and Brady, and then there's four star quarterbacks. I would say Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Cam Newton, um, you could maybe throw Carson Wentz in there, and, uh... You're kind of proving my point here, what I was going to go with. What's that? Like, no one ever says Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan... MVP two years ago. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's like, yeah, I'd I'd put him in that four-star category. Yeah. My two after... That are Cam and Ryan. I think those are the five best QBs. All right, give me your five worst qu- quarterbacks. Five, the last five who played for Cleveland. Oh. Ooh. All right. I, went there. I recorded this, so we might put this in as a bo- as as a bonus. Oh. All right. All right. All right. Back to baseball. <laughs>